What's the story, guys? Welcome to another episode of What Happens Here podcast. Today's show is proudly sponsored by Urban Performance Labs. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about, they're an Australian company, but they're based right here in the United States. Um, basically, it's all to do with sports, pre-workouts. We've got vitamin B. Do you want to pop those up on the screen there? We've got, we've got vitamin B12 shots. We've got the Test LA. We have got CBD. Now, everyone knows the benefits and the factors of CBD. Good for mental health, good for sleeping, good for pain. You can see everything. Oh, the Omega fish oil. Um, now, let me tell you a little bit. Now, now, check this out, guys. When you order from these guys, um, urbanperformancelabs.com, if you drop the WHH promo code, whenever you spend over 100 bucks. You're going to get 10% off anything that you buy. Now, check it out. If you spend over 200 bucks, we're going to give free shipping to anywhere else here in the world. It's pretty cool. How could we forget MMA Uncensored, one of the top mixed martial arts sites here on the internet? You know, these guys are updating you daily. MMA Uncensored for all your mixed martial arts needs. Everyone always asks me, where do you get your haircut, Marcus? Where do you get that slick haircut? Well, there's only one place where I go. There's only one barbershop that I go to. Actually, as a matter of fact, there's two. There's the Garrison and there's Elliott & Co. Show everybody what this looks like. And of course, how could we forget, today's episode is proudly fueled by... In Ireland, the highest form of compliment in any pub is an insult. So I'm considered quite complimentary. <laughs> Proper number 12, Irish whiskey. What's the story, guys? Welcome to another episode. Thanks very much for joining us once again here in Sin City, Las Vegas, Show Creator Studios. I'm Marcus Deegan, your host of the What Happens Here podcast, and we are back in the studio again, ready for another great one. Thank you very much for joining us. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, which is always good, but I know you're probably listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, whether you're traveling to work, you're coming home, you're driving to your mum's. We appreciate the support. Make sure you give us a five-star rating and let everybody know what happens here podcast. That's the way to go. Well, I tell you what, I like to bring people in here that have some really amazing stories. And this kid has got an absolute baller for you. He's one of the only, actually, he, he, he's made history. The only UFC fighter from Israel. But don't take it from me. Check this out. So Nathan, Nathan Levy has our lawyers and our... Uh, our, our Hollywood agents going crazy right now. Uh, these guys have been, been waiting for a, from a, for a guy from Israel who was actually very good. Uh, dominated a guy up a weight class on only five days' notice and subbed a guy who's 6-0 and with five submissions. I look forward to seeing his stand-up in the UFC. I uh, left everything back home seven years ago like some madman. Just everything. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to the podcast, I'm going to say this name correctly, Mr. Natan Levy. What's up, brother? What's up, man? Thank you very much for having me. Thanks very much for coming to the show. Uh, w welcome to What Happens Here podcast. You're a Las Vegas resident. I am a Las Vegas resident. So tell everybody where, where you're from, actually, uh, originally. Originally, I was born in Paris, France, but at a very young age, I moved to Herzliya in Israel. Uh, grew up there, started training there. And uh, at age 22, after um, some years of doing karate and martial arts, uh, I decided I want to do MMA and I had to fly to the Mecca of MMA in the world, which is Las Vegas. 
and uh, I've been here since. So, but you've also been to Japan as well. You spent some time over there. Yeah, true. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yeah, you know, at age uh, 16, after doing karate for about uh, two years, I had this crazy idea of going to Japan and I wanted to learn from the greatest masters in the world. And I told my mom, hey, mom, I'm going to go to Japan in the summer to train. So obviously she thought I'd never do it. So she said, yeah, sure, go ahead, do it. A few days later, I show up with the plane ticket and she couldn't say no anymore. So, uh, <laughs> how do Israeli mothers feel about their sons getting punched in the face for a living? They don't like it. Don't like it. <laughs> you come from a big family? Uh, I got two bigger, two big brothers. Yeah. And I got plenty of cousins. Right. Yeah. Pl uh, like uh, my grandparents have many brothers and sisters. So yeah, big family. So um, what do they think about your achievement at such a young age, coming from Israel, coming out to Las Vegas, um, becoming this mecca on tv people are knowing your name knowing who you are you, you really made an entrance when you when you came into this sport you really made such an explosion straight off the bat where you've got everyone recognizing and knowing who you are primarily dana white the main man from um the greatest organization mixed martial arts in the world how does that feel coming from from a place like tel aviv and, and getting all this uh it feels awesome you know parents are proud of me family is proud of me and um you know i came to do history of course it's great to uh be the only UFC fighter from Israel and the third ever. But uh, for me, my goal has always been not to be like a, a good fighter for somebody from Israel who's like an underdog because the sport scene is not big there. I always wanted to be a big, like a big name fighter, a known fighter, a great fighter by my own right and not compared to where I'm from or the expectations from me. Is there not um, many, uh, is, is mixed martial arts and combat sport, is it, is it something that's big and, and, and looked up to and loved in, in, in Israel? Uh, it's getting there. Um, yeah. But mostly like uh, judo is big. Everybody goes to either judo or karate when they're a kid. Um, but MMA is getting bigger. Uh, we're starting to have some shows. Of course, everything stopped because of COVID, but slowly getting more fighters where there's like a bunch of Israeli fighters who are coming to Vegas to train with me and at Syndicate MMA. Wow. And uh, slowly we're going to get more guys to come in. I'm very proud to be the only one right now, but I want more to come. I want us to be like a force in the UFC. Do you believe now that you have some kind of weight on your shoulders? You're the first, you're, you're representing your, your, your country now. So do you feel a little bit of pressure that, you know, you're, 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 this, you're this guy from Israel that's now making a name here in, in America? Uh, yeah, there's pressure, mm. but uh, I strive under pressure. Is that right? Yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know. I think it's like uh, something I always had since I was a kid. Like I wasn't the, the greatest at anything, but whenever I put my mind into something, I'm all in. There's like, you know, people say um, when people train, maybe sometimes their parents are like, oh, you're taking this too far. Or maybe train a little less. There's no such thing with me. I'm always all in. If I do something, it's to be the best. When I was doing karate, I said, I'm, I'm going to Japan to train. And it wasn't easy. You know, I spent months there um, training with the masters, having them, uh, you know, torture you in many different ways just to make you physically, mentally stronger. And same thing when I wanted to do MMA, I said I had like successful businesses in Israel, like uh, karate dojos. I was doing very well for my age. But I knew it was now or never. I want to do MMA. I'm going to go train with the best and compete with the best. And I'm all in. So initially, you didn't start off as a mixed martial artist. You were, you were more into karate. What was your style? Shotokan? Uh, my style was uh, Wei Chi Ryu. So right. Okinawan style, very like um, a lot of 
a lot of katas. Yeah. Also full contact sparring. But uh, in recent years, I've been doing more uh, Kyokushin, which is more full contact uh, sparring. And it's less about the forms and more about the combat. And is that what got you into... Like, where was your progression? Where did, it, where did it start to change for you? Like, you said you had the karate dojo. Where did you start to think, hang on a thing, maybe, maybe MMA is, is where I should go. And what, what, what made you believe that that's something that you could, you could achieve? Um, so I was watching MMA before I even started karate. When I was like 12, I would wait to watch uh, Fedor and Crow Cup fight in Pride. With your grandfather, right? With, with uh, my father with and father. like uh, some friends. And... Um, at some point, you know, I started doing karate because there was no MMA in Israel. You couldn't just go in and learn and train MMA. So I started doing karate at a very hardcore dojo. Uh, first day I walk in and I like I've always loved martial arts, but I never trained consistently. And I walk into this dojo, open the door and I see somebody get spinning back kick in the face, poof, blood flying out. And I'm like, oh, shit, <laughs> this is what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Instructor comes in, tells me to do uh, 50 push-ups on my uh, knuckles and 50 more on my fingers. And then he just stretches us out completely, like screaming. Um, and at the end of the training, he said, look, 90% of people who show up for the first session never come back. Out of those who come back, 90% don't come back. And he said, you're probably never going to come back, so nice meeting you. And I just, I would show up every day no matter like i was really physically scared of training like before i went there were you a small kid i was 15 year old yeah my knees would shake like i'd have like weak knees going in there like before i go into the octagon and just like i was scared i'd get beat up but i couldn't like not show up i felt like if i'm doing this it's all the way so i'm showing up no matter how scared i am it's funny i suppose when you're a kid 15 years old being put in that environment and, and that terror and that, that, that fear that you have, like when you would go and have a fight after school around the back, you would have the, 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 the butterflies in exactly. the stomach all week, the shaking of the knees. It's funny, as you get older, you, I suppose you kind of learn to use that nerves and that fear as, as, as a strength, as, as something that you can use in your arsenal. Do you, do you think that um, being scared is, is a positive thing? Like you said, you, you get a little scared before you go in. Is that, is that good to be a little scared? It's good to be a little scared because mm. if you're not scared, um, what happens when you're scared, right? You're going into a dark alley, middle of the night, and you're, you're, you're scared. So your senses get Heightened. sharper, yeah. right? You hear mm. a little something, you're already looking. You're sharper, um, and the body like closes systems that aren't uh, important for fighting, for going to war, for hunting, and all that uh, evolution stuff. So I think it's good, and of course, you can't let it control you. I always think before a fight, nobody ever did anything great without feeling nervous prior, right? Nobody went to war, nobody went to conquer lands and wasn't nervous. So all I'm doing is, is I know I'm going to do something great. That's why I'm nervous. Yeah. And, and you did do something great and you're doing great things. Um, talk about when you got that phone call um, that, that change your life right when you know when you get a phone call from the ufc it doesn't matter what you do. if you're hanging out with michael jackson and you get a phone call from the ufc you're straight back over here can you tell us about that experience how it went down and what you felt uh really it was uh, like sunday i was gonna go get coffee with my wife and um just chill and i get a phone call from my agent lance um 
Do you want to take a fight on Dana White Contender Series in two days, upper weight class, um, against somebody who's 6-0 undefeated, a jiu-jitsu brown belt, and uh, yeah, let's yeah. do it. So normally you fight at 145 featherweight. Um, you moved up, and you beat a guy by submission that had a 6-0 wins by submission. Is that correct? Yeah. So you prevailed, and you really shine shone shined you really shined in that moment um that 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 was just such a a mad achievement especially coming from only two days prep do you believe that having only two days prep was an advantage or a disadvantage from having a full camp you know i think if it was um if i had a full camp maybe i would have game planned more and like uh, knew more about him yeah but at the same time, it's fair. You know, he doesn't know anything about me. I don't know anything about him. You know, the moment I heard I have the fight, I had to start cutting weight. So what do you walk around at now? Because you look rather solid. Right now, I'm uh, 182. <laughs> You're 182? Yeah. yeah. But I went up. I'm going to stay at lightweight. Okay. That was going to be one of my other topics. That was going to... So 145, featherweight's done, especially in the UFC. You're going to stick at lightweight? Yeah. Just because the weight cut's so dramatic or just you felt good at lightweight? I felt good at lightweight. What was the difference between how you felt at lightweight compared to featherweight? More power? I felt more power and also I felt like uh, taking shots wasn't... Um, I didn't get flashed or anything from shots like I would at 145. That's a pretty stacked division. It is. Um, so when, when are you looking at getting back in there again? Um, hoping March, March or April, Max. Yeah, I'm going to ask the generic question that all the or, or we ask you guys all the time: Is there an opponent in mind, or I don't care anybody. All these mixed martial artists that I that I interview on this show, whenever I ask who they want to fight, they don't care. It could be you, it could be anyone. So that's great. So, um, living in Las Vegas, how long has it been now? Uh, seven years that I've been, you know. That I, from the first time I came here, yep. and officially got my visa and moved here three years ago. And what's the what's the biggest difference between living in Tel Aviv and living in Las Vegas? Obviously, apart from the, the complete two completely different cultures, what, what what was the hardest thing to get used to over here in America? Uh, you know, being far away from the family, from my, my nephews, my brothers, my parents. That's pretty rough. Yeah, and uh, also the food. The you food. Know. Tel Aviv. Let's everybody see where, where this young man comes from in the world here. So the food. The food, much better over there? Uh, I wouldn't say much better, but some things are better. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, America has some good food, but just not good, not Israeli food. Right. So I'm from Australia, so I, I can understand what you, what you mean when it comes to talking about food. And I know that I, I really do miss the food in Australia. So what's one of the, is it, um, what's one of the main dishes because I'm a big foodie as well. What's one of the main specific dishes that, that you get in Israel? Um, you know, just hummus. Hummus, yep. Yeah, and uh, shawarma. Yep. Um, and of course, mom's cooking, you know, like a family, family dinner. Yep. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Is, is it hard being, I suppose it's got to be hard being away from your, from your family, but when you're pursuing a dream, does that kind of make it a little easier to accept being away from mom and dad? Um. Yeah, you know, from uh, from a young age, from when I started karate, really, and I would make sacrifices all the time, things that would seem extreme to my surrounding, like 
I can't come to my cousin's birthday. Why? Because I got training. I can't do this. Why? Because I got training. All, everything, you know, I train every day, so I yep. can't do anything else. Right. And people are like, oh, you're taking this too far. You know, it's it's only like, uh, it's only training. Come have fun. And I knew that missing one becomes missing five, missing 10, missing 100. So I'd never miss training. And, um, you know, I've done many sacrifices along the way. This is one of them. Um, where's that mindset come from? Is, it, is that just a, a warrior's mindset? Is that a fighter's mindset? I think it's um, kind of, um, yeah, maybe a warrior mindset, but it's very like uh, extremist, like taking everything to the extreme. Do you have to be that way, do you think? Yeah, I think so. Like if you want to be successful at something, like you said, an extremist, you have to, you have to go all out. You have to be extreme. You have to, you know, you have to not go to all those celebrations and, and, and just strictly put your mind at, well, you're in, you're in the right place for it. You mentioned that you were married. Any kids? Uh, not yet. <laughs> is that going to happen in the future? Maybe, yeah. Do you, th- do you believe that um, martial arts is a great thing for kids to get involved with when they're younger? Do you, do you believe that all kids should do some kind of combat sport, whether it be boxing or judo or karate? Absolutely. Yep. I think, um, you know, sports is great for kids, but especially martial arts, I think. Um, and I love also traditional martial arts and their values and karate and stuff like that. But I think um, competitive is sometimes better. Yeah. So I think some sort of mix of the traditional and the, and the competitive. Uh, so there's discipline and there's like, um, you know, respect. Uh, I, um, like an order of like this, there's the sensei, you got to show him respect. Hierarchy, and, yeah. 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 And, um, but also competing, not just training in the dojo all the time and never, you know, sometimes winning, sometimes losing and learning to deal with it. Sometimes winning, sometimes losing, and losing and learning to deal with it. Win or learn. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's sensational. So, um, season was it, it was season four of the Dana White's Contender Series. Um, COVID's hit. There's been so much going on in this year. Um, but your 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 career is 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 moving in the right direction. You mentioned earlier on that you're going to stick with lightweight. I'm really really happy to hear about that. Um, what about um what about for fun? What do you guys do for fun here in Las Vegas? Um. <laughs> train <laughs> that's it yeah you know movies with the wife yeah um hanging out maybe a little bit of video games but um just enough to like recover from training and go at it again so let's let's talk about recovery from training obviously it's such a huge part of 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 being an athlete what, what do you do to i mean you're obviously you, you get to spend time up at the ufc pi yeah. Um, so, which is state of the art, which should have everything that. So, what, what what do you do for part of your recovery? And are you injured anywhere at the moment? Uh, I'm injured, uh, you know, all over the place, but uh, we just push through. Um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have the PI, the PT staff over there, uh, the strength conditioning to keep me, you know, with prevention from injuries, being stronger and having a body that's, you know, that can withstand, withstand more. Um, of course, you know, all the extra, like uh, infrared, ice baths, uh, cryotherapy, CBD, um, Solrite. Yeah. Uh, anything we can do to, um, you know, to to help the body recover. Because every time, like, I like to train at least three times a day. And if you don't do the recovery, you're going to get into overtraining. So you can postpone the overtraining with good recovery. 
Yep. Yep. So talk about the ice bath. What do you find is the, the huge benefits of that? You know, I'm a very skeptical guy. Like usually if you tell me, oh, you're sore walking the ice bath and you'll and it'll help. I'll tell you, I don't believe you. Right. But uh, doing it, you know, there's uh, no way around it. When you walk in and you're feeling sore and beat up, um, it really helps. Yep. So you, you don't believe things too easy. So you probably don't believe in UFOs or Bigfoot or anything like that either, right? No. <laughs> well, it's funny that you talk about cryotherapy. I just wanted to mention, I wanted to mention this really amazing product that, um, that I came across. You know, I came across these guys... A few months ago, maybe 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 even six months ago when I was interviewing Johnny Walker and he came in with a Tidal shirt on and we, we, we talked about it. And um, basically, Tidal is this amazing, amazing company that has come out um, with this cryotherapy product. So as we were mentioning earlier on, cryotherapy has got to do with um, the freezing of the muscle. Inflammation, it helps with pain, um, it helps with joint function. This is a blast of cold like nothing that you've ever felt. Now, actually, you know, and the reason why I like to talk about these kind of things is because this is something that's very indicative to me. A couple of years ago, I was suffering from a broken neck. I was recovering. I've tried many, many different um, hemp products, cryotherapy products, ISO-hot. Um, and uh, so up on the board there, that, that was me just after I broke my neck. I shattered three discs, um, cracked a bunch of bones, ended up with... Um, a, a titanium plate with six screws in my neck. That's the, going through the throat right there. Put the video on there. And basically, it, it's, it's been about two years worth of recovery. I'm not joking, you guys. I tried this the other day. Now, I have a lot of aches and pains in my back, still just due because of the surgery in the muscles, um, lower back, right down the back, back of the rhomboids, even up into my lats. I have a lot of problems with the sciatic nerve. I put this stuff on and it's instant relief. Um, I couldn't believe it. I'm, I'm going to be an advocate for this stuff. Um, absolutely unbelievable. Title, we're going to put all the, the information in the description. So I'm going to go right like this. Now, Natan, I want to give you one of these today. Are Thank you sore? You so I want you to give yourself a little blast somewhere. Give yourself a little blast on the leg just so you can, you can feel the actual... So you can feel the actual power of this stuff. So when you're feeling sore, like, is, have you got anywhere on your leg? Like, I've got a bit of a sore knee at the moment. Yeah, I'm me just, too. I'm going I'm to spray it on the knee. And it will hit you with a blast of cold. And also with the menthol in it. So, yeah, thank you very much to everybody at Tidal for sending me over this awesome stuff. I'm really happy about it. See how that goes, brother. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Yep, yep. No problem at all. Um, ice baths. So what about... Uh, <laughs> whiskey. Are you a whiskey drinker? The only thing I drink, yeah. The only but, thing you uh, drink? Very rarely. Okay, that's okay. So um, another one of our amazing affiliates here at the podcast um, is Proper 12 Whiskey. The guy sent me over a couple of cases. And one thing I like to do here at my podcast is present all my guests that are that, that I'm so happy that to come on. You took your time out of your day with your, with your very handsome manager over there to come over here and, uh, and, and say hi. So what? this is tradition here at the podcast. Hello, wife. We call this the passing of the proper. So today for you, I have a brand new, very fresh, very shiny. This is going to be uh, your first bottle of proper 12, the tastiest, the finest Irish whiskey on the planet. The boys send this over to me and I get to give it to all my guests. Natan, 
Thank you that so much. That was for you right there. I, li I like it. Did you see how he said it? Thank you. Yeah, that's how you take a gift. <laughs> that's it. I love it. I love it. So enjoy that. Uh, have that after your... Uh, that's good stuff. Thank yeah. you very much. Oh, you're welcome. No, no problem at all. So uh, are you, you, did you... Uh, I want to talk about... Um, we talked about injuries the other day. Did you watch the fight last week with uh, with Conor McGregor and Dustin yeah, Poirier? Yeah, so what did you think about that? And I've, I've been doing a little bit of study on the old calf kick. Didn't really know too much about it. But I think it's just such a uh, – how do you get away from something like that? How do you prevent that from happening? And the devastation of what that does is – you? what's it feel like to get kicked in the calf? Uh, it's not fun, but I've been uh, kicked in the calf since uh, 2008 in Japan. We would – like that would be a very common kick. It kind of amazes me it only like got into MMA now. Right. Um, I've been doing it in the gym and, you know, in – fight since my amateur days I think it's a great kick but of course like everything and maybe when it's new and like kind of surprising there at first um, people are fighting it's hard to like defend it yeah. but it's very easy to defend um, just like every other move the the fibula is such a thin thin little bone in that part of the leg and um, and I know that the perineal nerve that goes all the way from the back there that goes all the way up when that's compromised or damaged uh, the, the the actual purpose of that nerve is to is movement is movement in that portion of the leg so when that when that when that's damaged it shuts off all you can't feel anything from the bottom of the leg which obviously your power's got to come from your legs um, it's a very very small muscle and, and, and I think that um, Dustin Poirier's game plan was just absolutely unbelievable. He came in, he took the win, and um, and and I think he did a great job. Would you like to see them run it back a third time? Uh, yeah, I'd love to, of course. Um, I think it was a great game plan by uh, by Dustin. Um, and yeah, you know, you kick somebody's foundation from out of them, from uh, underneath them, they won't be able to do much. Yep. And you can tell, like Connor's punches got sloppier, slower started swinging for defenses and he wasn't sniping like he usually is. Um, you know, Connor's a pressure fighter and pressure, it needs to be like um, a net of flies. Like there's a cloud of flies, right? On above shit. <laughs> you go like this, what happens? They spread, yep. come back, spread, come back. That's what pressure got to be like. You can't just pressure, pressure, pressure nonstop. That's what happened in my mind. That's a great analogy. Um, and obviously um, didn't go as planned, but hey, that, that's the beauty of this sport. It's the only sport that I like. I like I like all sports in general, but when I'm watching the UFC, it's the only sport that gives me a physical feeling when I'm watching it, whether it's sweaty palms, whether it's butterflies in the stomach, whether I can't wait for it that day. Is that how you feel when you watch the fights as well? Did you just love watching UFC? Yeah, I love watching it, and um, especially when you got friends fighting, like in last week when uh, Joanne Calderwood was fighting Jessica I. Yep. Then, you know, of course, um, I love Connor and Poirier. Love watching them fight each other. Yep, Hooker and amazing. Chandler was another great one. Great one, but like watching a friend is different. You yeah. you feel like um, more scared than you would be fighting yourself because yep. then you're in control. But when you're not in control, it's your friend. You don't want to, them to get hurt. Every punch, you're like, oh, no. Yeah. That... But, uh, mm. you know, we knew she had it. Uh, she had it and she went there and did her job. So when you have an emotional investment in someone, yeah. it, it, must, it must drive you guys crazy then watching all these fighters. I mean, seeing all of your guys getting punched in the face like that, that's got to be hard for you. You must have a hard shell. No. <laughs> yeah, he'll tell me I shell it. 
<laughs> he does. He sees his face when you, he gets nervous. Yeah, he gets nervous. Yeah. Do you think that comes down to like management's got to be like family? Do you think that the management is your management has got to be part of your family in in a sense, part someone that cares a lot about you, that wants the best interest? One, the one thing that I found with everybody from um, from Iridium Sports Management is like one big happy family. All you guys over there, it's just it's just it's just great. And and so March, that's what you're going for. But in between then, what what's next, man? What's what's your goals? What's the future hold? What do you want to do? Um, you know, I just got my own like training goals what I want to do, what I want to get better at. Um, but that's re really like, um, I don't want to call it killing time because when you kill time, you lose you lose that time. I want to use that time well, but be ready for a fight and uh, can't wait to get in there. You've got such a, um, y y your head's really screwed on for 29 years old and, and I think you're doing an amazing job and I'm sure that your parents and your wife and your family and your management is just super, super proud of you um, because I know the world is. So how I always like to kind of finish things off is on a positive note. Um, if there's something that you could say to any of your fans out there or maybe to someone that's struggling a little bit in life that needs some encouragement, someone that looks up to you, is there some words of wisdom that you could give the people out there that are listening? I know I always like to, uh, it's a little bit of pressure, but if there's some words of wisdom that you could give to some future karate kids out there. Spin that in. Um, first of all, <laughs> I live by a sentence. It goes, single-mindedness is all-powerful. Right? If you put your mind into one thing, not five things, one thing, and you put all your resources, all your energy, all your financials everything into this goal you can achieve it and that's that's the that's what i what i live by and um of course you know i always had this uh, path in my mind how i'm going to get to the ufc what i'm going to do in the ufc and there was a lot of naysayers many people gave me their um, their opinions even though they never made it to the ufc they never left their comfort zone so don't listen to the naysayers um if you got something in your mind, in your heart, you got passion that's burning you, go for it. Just do it. Well, there you go. I mean, we couldn't have even said it better than that. Man, um, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you so much for coming on my show today. Uh, I'm, I'm new to this industry and just having people on like you just helps me learn. And it's great to talk to such great people. You seem like, like a great guy. And, uh, I, mate, I wish nothing but the best for you. I know you're going to do big, big things in this sport. And, I, and I'm really uh, looking forward to seeing where your career goes. Thank you very much. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Marcus Deegan for the What Happens Here podcast. Always a good time on the show. Thanks very much for joining us. Make sure you check us out on all social media platforms, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Big thanks to our sponsors, Proper 12 Irish Whiskey, MMA Uncensored, and Urban Performance Labs. This is Marcus Deegan. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Take care. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.